0: A.J. Eason and Andrew Muller of A.J. and the Walks. Hold on. So I have—I do have a question right off the bat. Pimp decisions. Was that inspired by the Cat Williams bit?
1: Actually, it was. You know what I'm saying? When I when I do the uh, the bridge part, and it says that you got to trust in your star player. So yeah, whether it was subconsciously or on purpose it was actually but the song is great and I'm glad you guys about that song it's a bonus track on our first LP so yeah how long have you guys been a band for? Uh 12? 13 years 12 or 13
2: almost years. 12 years it'll be 12 years in 2023 wow yeah
1: going the distance absolutely man we're missing three years in there somewhere.
0: <laughs> hey don't even count 2020 That that is just out the window that's right here. that's right so how did you guys' um, musical relationships start?
1: Uh, so I was in a band called Space Capone back in like 2009 to about 2013. And Deep Fried Five started getting like opening up or some, some correlation between Deep Fried Five and one of my old bands and Space Capone started, you know, involving Andrew and, and I was in Deep Five Five. He was in Deep Five Five. Yeah. And uh, he used to do the same at the pond. That was like a jam every Monday night Monday night, night
2: open
1: jam. Long time ago. And I think it sort of came through that. And some of the you know the guys that were in Sky High that used to uh, open up for my band out of Knoxville, uh, were all friends with Andrew and that whole old pond jam group. And it sort of came through that. I can get into more detail if you want me to, but uh, yeah, my old house in the Nations, we started jamming with the guy. Why don't you go into some more detail? I'm going to go into more detail. You should. I'm going to show you, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to tell you exactly how this started. Uh, I used to live in the Nations, I'm 46 in Georgia, and Tim Hawkins, which is our original band uh, uh, bass player. He's on all the recordings we were jamming with Kelby Caldwell, who plays for the kind of like three now. And we were just jamming, you know. We were jamming up in my little extra room mm-hmm. over there in, um, yep. in the Nations. And <laughs> Andrew started popping by. and I swear, the first song we wrote was good. Get wild, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, so I didn't just start popping by. I was invited. <laughs> I was invited by Tim and AJ. I think they were like, hey, come on over one night. I think he popped by And I literally just uh, brought my stuff. And I, as soon as we started, we jammed for maybe 15 minutes. And then I was like, okay, I had this idea that I came up with the day before or whatever. And I just, I played it and they were like, okay. And then I was like, they're like, do you have any ideas for lyrics? And I was like, get wild. I was like, I called it get wild. And then so we just kind of flew off the cuff of that
1: and it grew into a song and that go. was our first song here we go here yeah. we go so I'm gonna disagree I'm just kidding but <laughs> it was probably something like that but yeah and um, it went from there ask us some more questions much but
0: well I, I like your music because you really touch on different like eras of soul and funk you know I, I don't know all your songs by name yet because I just discovered you guys this week uh, whenever you, uh, I saw you had like liked the post for Violet Moons or something like that, mm-hmm. and um, I checked you out and it just blew me away because I didn't know that was being done in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, so I'm originally a Midwesterner. I grew up
2: in Franklin, Tennessee, outside of Nashville, but you know, I all of my family's from Chicago and whatnot. Um, His family's from you know, he grew up in Memphis, Atlanta, you know, and. It's kind of like the two worlds combined of that, you know, Chicago blues, urban soul mixed with the, you know, Southern Memphis Stax. I love Stax Records. You know what I mean? And that's where AJ
0: and I meet right in the middle. It's like a a really sweet spot. Yeah. I I think for myself, as far as the the music that I always end up going back to, it it is Stax Records and Motown. And I love the two of them because they're really polar opposites in a lot of ways. You know what I mean, like yeah. Stax yeah. Records is blues-based musicians, and then Motown. You you listen to the bass playing of James Jamerson, and he is he has like all of the jazz theory down. He knew mm-hmm. every note, every fret. It was they were
1: still playing with feel, but it was different. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. This this lady That's last amazing. night we played at Cheekwood last night. It was a great show. Thanks to everyone that came out last night. It was really fun. Big ass. She came up, she goes, I was telling my husband, I've never liked jazz. Y'all made me like jazz. And I go, Man, we're not really. And that's that's funny man. you say that. Like, she was so yeah. serious. I was like, what's jazzy about? But that's how she took it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well what's so funny to me about
2: that is because I describe us. I I say, We're a rock band that plays funk and soul music. Interesting. Because that's our vibe, it's more rock and roll and it's funny that this woman comes up and it's like jazz, you know it's like, you just never know what people are, are hearing or, you know
1: or seeing, you know I think people make that perception off of what instruments they're seeing there's horns and there's organ, you know what I'm saying yeah, totally and that's what she's yeah. thinking, but you know if there wasn't two guitars and a bass and a drum you know, that's rock and roll yeah, yeah. yeah. so, but I get it but what you were saying with the stacks compared to Motown right I love sort of filling people in on this. You know, Philly sound was backed by an orchestra and strings. And yes, quartet, yeah. All right? Memphis sound was backed by the B3 organ. Yeah. Booker T, all that stuff. Yeah, think, yeah. All right? The West Coast sound was backed by brass. And the Motown sound was backed by vocals. Doo-wop and, and, and temptation stuff like that. So we do incorporate a lot of that because we have... Two or three horns, and we have a great, you know, uh, keyboard player that we want to keep with us big time. But but also, we kind of listen to a mix of all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, my, yeah. I listen to everything. I came up on everything, and it's ingrained in my blood. You know what I'm saying? You were know saying I was I was born in Atlanta. I was actually born in Augusta, Georgia, right where James Brown was born, Martinez, Georgia, actually. Who's your great uncle? Uh, Lou Rawls that's my great <laughs> oh wow shit okay yeah on my mom's side and then you know I lived in Atlanta until I was about five and then I was raised in Memphis and but the music that I came up with other than being in the church was straight up it went from metal you know <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like, I, that. I was a skater, and so it was like, it was like, Jimi Hendrix, metal, just Metallica, blah, blah, blah. the the then skateboard stuff, Dinosaur Jr., Sonic Youth, Suicidal Tendencies, The Dead Milkman, all that stuff, then, <laughs> and, then great and then, I was a total deadhead, yeah. I the worked. dead are great, man. I was a total deadhead, well, you know, I got to see them two nights in a row in was, and, you know, then I did the fish thing for a little bit, and then... You throw the jam band stuff, and then when Neo Soul and Soul Live and stuff like that started coming out, Oh, dude,
0: Soul Live is so funny. That's
1: where I started gearing towards what we're
2: doing. And I think that's why we're magnetized. It's because I'm the same way. Like, in high school, it was Pixies, Strokes, Weezer, shit like that, you know? Rage Against the Machine was in eighth grade. Red Hot Chili Peppers was in middle school, whatever. And then once I got into college, it was Soul Live. It was... I mean, that's where we really, really? see eye to eye, I feel like, is that Soul Live shit, you know, in that realm, it's you Howard know. Nigel, not, let us yeah, and all the, reggae, all the reggae stuff I really got into um, in college. And then that led to the James Brown. Yeah. And yeah, Lee, Fi- Lee Fields, actually, is who led me into the James Brown. It Lee, was Field Lee was Fields was awesome. It was Lee Fields and Sharon Jones, I found out about those guys, and then Alice Russell with Quantic out of uh, the UK. Those guys blew me away to a point where I was so inspired
1: to go in that
2: direction with my music. And see, we're
1: skipping really far ahead to, you know, how the Jigwats formed, I and mean, we're, we're we're skipping on a lot of things because GD Soul Records and Nick DeVan and Dave Singleton and all those dudes. We're seriously all really a conglomerate of soul of Nashville like you know from the cooling system mm-hmm. to yeah. y- you name all those bands uh, Magic and Threes and Sky High and da 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 it's all conglomerate of that that's what really made the Jigalots you know D. Robert and Have half all that stuff It's we came off of that it was mm-hmm. it's almost like an all-star little thingy thing yes we write the songs you know I I I write every lyric I come up with an idea but I hand it over to him to figure everything out you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. he's my MD you know what I'm saying and we work pretty much well together but um uh
2: there's some personnel issues there's some personality clashes sometimes
0: As but you which know, like, is to be expected though it is to be expected because we're human yeah
1: right well we didn't get into that but <laughs> uh, the simple fact that it's been maybe 13 years, and we all have side projects, we're all doing other other things, and we're, I feel like we're starting to get a little surge, and starting to get a little, you know, head back under stuff after this whole pandemic shit, and still have a lot of more music to release, and Last Night was such a great performance with a great backing band that I just see that, and, you know, there's a lot of ahead lot for the there's a, there's a lot of
2: potential, I agree. We're uh, have some fun. Yeah, we got a really great crew right now, and uh, I love everyone we work with. It, we kind of switch up the band every show. So it's kind of cool because. And we're trying not to do that. And, Well, we're trying not to do that, but we are trying to do it at the same time because it's fun for. Look, if you want to come out to every show, it's going to be different each time because we're going to yeah. have different musicians, right? It's like, Yeah. It's like, you know, jam bands that have the same band, but they play different songs every set, right, that they do, Mm -hmm. where they're just like, check it out. But, like, we've got a different band every time we're playing the same songs, and it's kind of like, okay, well, it's going to be different each time, a different vibe. Because the players interpret it differently. Exactly. And, you know, each player has a
1: different vibe. Well, I know what band I like to interpret what. So, I'm just saying, what I had last night was... Magnificat. Yeah, but that's great. That's a that's a place
2: in time. It's frozen. That was there. And it, it, it exists. And it
1: exists.
0: So you were kind of talking about what? What is the record label called? It was a GED. So we started with GED Soul Records, and that's
2: okay. one of my best friends, one of his best friends, Nick Devan, his label that he started in two thousand seven in Murfreesboro okay and um, it's got it was basically the precursor for all the soul music that's in Nashville it was it was based off of defunct so Doyle who's part of Grimies and WXNA he 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 was a DJ on the air called defunct and they used to just in college they were just they would just listen to his show and record it every week and, and they they're obsessed a show with it they had a show in bro. I'm pretty sure they had a show too but and they Nick like and Dave they wrote that records yeah they wrote that vibe they had and, a local college shit yeah. radio station
1: and they formulated their own record label called GD Soul and that was and in it was based, 2007 yeah but it was it based was off of that night. kind of deep funk kind of vibe are, right sky high they had D. Robert and the Half Truths. they had uh, Imagine Threes. Imagine Threes. Uh, it was the
2: Grips, which is now my band called the Grip Sweats, and that was you know I kind of brought that back. That was that was the Grips were D. Robert and the Half Truths before they were a thing. That was their first record. Was the Grips and it was Fancy Roll forty five. But, but anyways, G. D. Soul did our first
1: full length LP. They did our first forty five. And then we did a LP with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick DeVan is just a... I mean, a master drummer. A great studio drummer. And, I mean, he's got... Well, and a great person. A great person. He's, games, honestly, he's one of my favorite people. He's got uh, uh, just beats for days. He's got some cassettes up there. What's that thing called that he did? Where you can get his samples? Anyway. Oh, yeah. So if you go to
2: GDSoulRecords.com, this is a... a a plug, and uh, you can go get um, these sample kits from Nick Anyway, yeah, they're drum sample kits, and it's to tape. Oh shit! Cool. And they're one shots, and he has his last one he did was it actually has loops on it. So if you want to use that, you can. He's the one of the tightest drummers I've ever played with, and I love him.
1: But what he says to tape, GD was everything's. Analog as fuck. Yeah. Fact, everything's to tape. And that's all I know, recording wise, with them. So, Nick DeVan did our first album. And, uh, 45. First oh, album, M45, and 45. And he's been a part of. He's show. been on everything. He's recording. been on everything, I think. Except done. for the
2: first 45, that was Dave Singleton
1: on the drums. Yeah, he's been on everything yeah. we've done. He propelled a lot of this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. GED Soul was the first independent soul record label in this town. He lived with Andrew for a little while. We recorded our next uh, 45 that got picked up on coal mine. In my basement. In the basement. And, it's and that now sound that house is gone. To now that house about just this. got demolished. That a true natural story, yeah. <laughs> All our sound, we owe a lot to Nick and Dave Singleton, and the GED Soul it's true. Whole thing. It's very true. It really catapulted
0: all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. What kind of tape machine do you use? I know you had mentioned Andrew. You have a studio in your house. Um, okay, so for our stuff, I use a
2: Tascam TSR eight eight track half inch. Nice, cool. And that is going to a TAC five board. Um, I usually don't like to share a lot of my gear secrets, but that's kind of like our sound for Gigawatts, and that's what we roll with and then everything else is done. I think I recorded horns to a Tascam 388 that I have as well. Um, Tascam
0: 388s, that is my dream machine. That's what I'm planning on. Yeah, it's
2: crazy because back like maybe five years ago, those things were going for like 800, now they're like
1: 3,000 now or something. A question I always could ask is about like the distortion on my vocals on the first album. I uh, can never explain how I oh. to put the okay, microphone so to the thing. Okay, so here's the deal. Yeah,
2: explain that. I, I absolutely love vintage Radio Shack gear. So, like, the realistic dynamic mics. I haven't got a realistic condenser mic, but I would, I'm very interested in getting one um, just to test it out. But the realistic dynamic mics are the fucking shit. I really believe so. And they usually have a quarter inch out instead of the XLR. Interesting. And so what I would do for the first album, I have a little tiny five watt Fender amp. And so what yeah. I would do is I'd plug it into the, the five watt Fender amp. I would plug it up to, to for AJ's vocals and like straight to, you know, his mouth. And then I would, I think we would mic it up with a 57 or something, like just whatever like shitty mic I had we had. turned it upside
1: down so it's coming up.
2: Yeah, and then we would just like crank it, no reverb, nothing like that. Just dry and and just crank it to like seven or eight until it was like really cutting up. Because I think it cut at like four, oh. three or four. Most amps do, but like, you know, the five Y, it's not very loud, but once you get it to like seven or eight, it gets
0: kind of loud, but it just crunches really nice. Well, those small amps too, like they sound so huge when you record them. Well, as long as you close-mic it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marsh. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, have, they have a super big sound. Well, supposedly yeah.
2: supposedly Led Zeppelin, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard this, is that Jimmy Page would put one of those Fender 5 watts or some 5-watt amp in the back, like behind the curtain, on like a stool or something, and they'd mic it up, and then he would have the Marshall stacks out front, but he'd be actually be playing through that little amp, and that's what it was actually you know coming out
0: but I don't know it could just be uh, a hearsay yeah it could all be studio legends yeah 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 (laughs) well there was this soul resurgence that happened around the time Amy Winehouse came out yeah
2: what was that 2007
0: yeah it was in the same time frame as the the label starting GED starting Mm -hmm. Uh, and Cole which we're on starting 2007 I believe too but it became um, hip, and, and now, even today, you listen to Silk Sonic. Have you guys listened to that record at all? Yeah. It's fucking good. It's good,
2: but it doesn't hit sonically. It doesn't hit the. I mean, the stylistically, it hits all the right notes. But sonically, it doesn't for me. Interesting. It's like
0: very modern. Sounding, yeah. Well, I think they were really going, of course, for the pop radio thing, of course, and yeah. I don't blame them, yeah. You know, it's like, hey, make your money, dude, sell it. But what's great, I think, as far as the just like the the strings, the playing, everything, even yeah, um, on that song, yeah. yeah, uh, Smoking Out the Window, that's my favorite song on the record, okay, cool. And that's Homer, uh, Homer Steinwise, uh, from Dapto, yep, and from Amy Winehouse's band. yeah,
1: he you know, was. Which that's was the death game? That's why I didn't want him involved in this. <clears throat> and I'm not going to say too much, but Anderson loves what we do. I'm sorry, what was that? Anderson loves what we do. Really? Yeah, I already know. That's badass. I already fucking know. And the whole BG grip Tight giving us a shout out and stuff like that is the whole thing. But I'm friends with Leon Bridges. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the motorbike uh, uh, video was directed by Anderson Pop, right? Oh, and shit. At one time when they were filming it, I don't know what I was talking to Leon about, but he puts it up on FaceTime. Anderson's in fact they're dancing and doing some shit. He's like, you know, a Focutel he knew he knew of Southern Sunrise, that's why that's a whole other thing. But he knows who we are. And he just started his own label, Office of Soap Sonic. Really? Yes. He's got his own label, just started. And yeah, I might have thrown a little. I might have slid up in his DMs. (laughs) Hey, might have. (laughs) Someone's got to do it, right? No one's gonna do it for you. So yeah, I'm putting that out there. It's out there now. AJ's got a man crush. No. No, I told that we got some fuck up. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You start a new label. You need artists, right? Yeah. Wow. Did you see him drum
0: uh, at that Super Bowl halftime show? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. He's oh a great God. drummer, who too. Was,
2: who was the uh, band director at that? I don't know. I'm the not sure. The band director was
0: fucking genius. Yeah. I mean, he did such a good job. He, he got... Those guys were on point. I wonder how much of, like of those performances it's like pre-recorded you know what I mean like are they recording beforehand yeah I, I don't think that was Super- much yeah for the Super Bowl it's all pre it has to be pre-recorded yeah I don't know it's
1: all pre-recorded it is. I don't know if this last one was they have to they have to even the, they're, they're like playing two tracks you know what I'm saying? It's almost. Like I I can understand that playing to a track, yeah. but I don't know if it's all pre. has cool. been rehearsed, not pre-recorded. Like they, they can't pre-record the crowd in there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, but
0: well, I mean, like, are they? Yeah, are they? Are playing to yeah, yeah, to tracks? Yeah, oh, yeah, lip-syncing exactly. Oh yeah. It might be a mix like 50-50 Yeah. Well, I enjoyed yeah. it either way. Yeah. It was cool. It was cool to I see, see them, uh, in like in front of musicians too. Yeah. That's what I really enjoyed about it. Exactly. it actually it actually brought a lot of emotions
2: to me to be honest what did um, the whole performance the you didn't watch you don't watch sports I don't watch sports but I watched the Super Bowl halftime show because that's where the music is huh. and the thing is is that it was so nostalgic for me but it was also so special because these guys that have been kind of in the back in the because of their lyrics and their music kind of being explicit back then and not being able to get to the forefront that it should have been, and now that it's finally being, like, valued, it's like it should have been, yeah, yeah it, it brought kind of, like, an emotional kind of feeling, yeah. you know, like a, like a very happy, happy feeling.
1: It was just like, shit. Happy man. feelings in the air. Anyways, Andrew, <laughs> you know, grew very different than I did. You know, he's a lot younger than I am. It's true. And, you know, some of this music is, is new to him. I'm, I'm I enjoy his excitement about it, and about our culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, in you know, he he's doing good things for. I hope in his heart for the culture, as a musician. You know what I'm saying? He loves this music, and he just doesn't realize. You know, I can speak on the Super Bowl fucking thing, or just about black music in a whole you know because when it's all said and done it's AJ and Jacob Watson I'm out there you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying absolutely and I'm telling these stories you know some are very very true if you really listen to all my lyrics you know what I'm saying so that comes from living this life it's it's the truth the music is the damn truth and if you can help me convey that musically that's Great. great You know, that's what it all comes down to. All this pitter-patter and talking-talking is, you know, it's bullshit. You know, he has no idea what they're trying to portray at the Super Bowl about crip-walking and dancing and celebrating southern or south-central L.A. culture. You know, there was way more than that that was happening. There was so much happening on that stage for the Super Bowl that had stuff to do with black culture, gang culture, what's going on. Well, what did it mean to you when you saw it? Oh, okay. I just I just saw that uh, uh, Smith was getting old. He couldn't cripple off no more. He looked like he needed to rub that knee down and, and, and a brown beard. <laughs> oh, my that God. That was ugly. You're hilarious. That's not oh, what it meant to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <gasps> I know what oh, it oh, meant. Man. You know, and... But it was no, just but what did it really super Bowl. mean to you? It was just a super what super Bowl. did it really mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. If you want to talk about what music we got coming out and stuff like that, let's talk about that. <laughs> well, what do you got coming out? Well, that Super Bowl was a long time ago. So <laughs> what was that? Six, seven months. <laughs> in February. Yeah. We got UT football coming up, baby. We can talk about that. AJ. we can talk uh, about the ball yeah, AJ
2: went to UTK, and he's a big football head.
1: You actually played? Did you play for a UTK? I tried to walk on in 97. And did and I just slung around for a week. I walked, and I'll never forget that walk down that alley. And I walked straight <laughs> to a drum set, actually, and ate a scoop of mushroom peanut butter and played with my buddy for about two hours. <laughs> and then the rest was history? And the rest was history. <laughs> this explains history. AJ. This, that is the pivotal moment in AJ's life right <laughs> Yeah, I I'm trying to walk on and I went to UT I had to take the SAT <laughs> up there and while I was up there taking the SAT it was a walk on and that was when Jamal was up there Peyton everybody was up there I mean that was the year they went to the championship. and I got slung along along around I'll never forget that walk that, like, next day I rode a skateboard that was <laughs> it <I'm> dizzy and, <laughs> just was, taking abuse the whole time I just took a, a lot of abuse <laughs> I was like, yeah, business administration degree. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'll take the business
0: administration degree, please. Thank you. Why not? So what do you guys have coming out? What are you working on these days? So I'm uh I just recorded I mean I recorded this a
1: while ago. What my it Uh our Next forty five. Next forty five. It's gonna be hard times. Back
2: to work. Hard times. Have you around? Have you around? Hard times is kind of like a meters, kind of heavy banging track, uh, with a really tight hip hop groove. It's very eccentric, to be honest. Like I feel like the groove is, is not expected. Um, and then have you around is kind of like a slow. We don't have a lot of slow jams, but this is our second slow jam that we've it's actually done. Slow jam. And it's pretty smooth. It's like a Isaac Brothers style, but it's uh, I can't explain it. So it's our own it's, it's our own brand, a, you know.
1: Our music is fucking unique. It's, it's it's our shit. And to be released, how we're gonna release it? I think this will be released under Coal Mine Records. Like uh, whoever's out there listening, Coal Mine Platinum Records uh, hooked us up with our what first two. Forty five. No, no. Uh, It is what it is. Party Music 45. All right. And then we established this boutique uh, label, which is Mighty Mouse, that Andrew's running. And they helped, you know, do distro and whatever with that 45. Um, For our last 45, yeah. With our last 45. Hopefully, they're going to pick this up because I think we're a little controversial. I think it it might be a long Terry...
2: Terry's
1: lines but we'll see yeah. we'll see what our, he says. our last song uh, Karma is a bitch might have been a little too huh? For, for their taste but uh, hopefully poo puts picks this up and distributes it and you know it's it's gonna these are gonna be some dope ass songs the whole plan is to record at least what three 45s and maybe two other songs, and then put them all on one LP you know, a year or so. That's the ultimate plan. And, you know, we've got... We've got everything ready to roll. And then once we get that LP,
2: let's hit the fucking road. Well, we'll see. If we us see. If we can get that cash flow. We'll see. Let's so thing. do you record everything
0: just at your place? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, I do everything over at my place, and I'm kind of like the head...
1: Uh, engineer uh, and production. You talk about some learn-as-you-go shit. Learn-as-you-go. And messing with that tape is no joke. Oh, yeah. Well, you
0: have to really mean the take, you know? yeah. There's no yeah. taking it back. I like, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Mean the tape. Yeah. Hey, tape don't lie.
1: i tell you what, tape don't lie. Mean the take. I like that. It's the truth. It is. Because it it's expensive and... You know, one take. Change. Yeah, about a hundred dollars a reel,
0: I think. Yeah. Well, it's when you're recording to take two. Uh, even a flub note here or there, if the feel is good, it's like, well. Do we keep it or do we yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of. Uh, that's not
2: going to happen. That can be a tough decision, but it's usually just keep it and let's roll. Yeah, that would be. You think something? If I hear that flip, I'm gonna. Well, if it's too, games. if it's too dramatic. Okay. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, n- not playing necessarily like bad notes or something. You are talking about like a, like missing a note? Yeah. In there. yeah, like a ghost, kind of like a ghost note that's not
2: there, but it's like you, the feeling's still there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, leave the you mistakes in Yeah, you
2: just stick gives gives with it, man.
0: Yeah, totally. Do you guys know about the uh, the studio that's over on Dickerson Road that's abandoned? That James Star Day King's sound. Yeah, we were talking about that yesterday because we played
2: Super Bad yesterday. Yeah, we actually put that in our set almost for the last three or four uh, shows we played. We played Super Bad and first off, just a fucking amazing, brilliant song. Second off, that was
0: recorded at that studio, Mm -hmm. and we we mentioned that last night to the crowd. Yeah, I think um, Sex Machine was also recorded there as well as Hot Pants. Yes. What? Yeah? hmm Yeah, it's right down on Dickerson Road, right down the road from me. It's right
2: next to Cedar Hill. So if you go – see, I live on the other side. You're, like, more towards World Hickory. I'm, like, in Madison over towards Dickerson. Yeah. So I'm over by Cedar Hill. And so, literally, I can just take a left out of my, my, um, my street – and go down and take a ride on Dickerson, and I'm like right there. It's
0: kind of crazy to be honest. A lot well, of it's such a large piece of music history. I feel like people don't know that it's there. You know, yeah, it's like this forgotten um, avenue of like important shit in Nashville's music history and music history in general. I agree. Because there, there's all sorts of stuff that that has happened here throughout history that I feel. Um, either is overlooked or people don't know about you know mm-hmm. well I'll
1: talk about Jefferson Street
0: yeah yeah, yeah Jefferson, Jefferson Street is yeah. fucking
2: crazy if you guys ever have a chance go, go to the Jefferson Street uh, Jefferson Street Sound Museum I believe it's called and uh, Orlando is that his name Orlando it sounds like so, so like, so like. <laughs> I think it's Orlando is the guy who runs it and um, Sania Jamison also uh, helps a lot with that and check it out I mean they give you a lot of uh, information about Jefferson Street back in the 60s I mean Jimi Hendrix was playing there all the time yeah that's where he met Billy
0: Cox right I believe so or they started yeah. at least playing there
2: yeah there were so many clubs and there were so many people uh, that really blew up that were playing at those clubs that really influenced American music uh,
0: pop, rock, blues you know uh, R&B So Mm -hmm. it's really cool. Yeah, I know. On one of the buildings, I don't know if the building's still there, but there's like a picture of um, Aretha Franklin, one of Ray Charles, Mm -hmm. and
1: um, yeah, I. What's that? It was a barbershop for a minute. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was a club. It was a juke joint for a good while. Like now, it was was a barbershop for a minute. Now it's nothing. It's just right there. But uh, that guy with the the museum. you know, he just did a little piece when the uh, National African American Music Museum opened up. And he was affiliated with that. He started getting a little good resurgence, you know, like yeah. really recently and trying to have some shows in there. Uh, he's got Webster painted on the wall for some reason. There's Webster? Like the little Michigan? It, it looks like Webster. I think it's supposed to be <laughs> Sam, <laughs> <be> Sam <laughs> Cooke. It's supposed <laughs> Sam Cooke.
0: <laughs> <was> like Webster? <laughs> Webster?
1: I guess it's artistic interpretation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, people need to support that place, and, you know, hopefully... Well, that's that because and that's... The, that's the real Nashville. That's the real old Nashville that really stuff going like on. Yeah. I've heard about Carol Ann's. I haven't been there yet. That's like a... It was part of the chicken... Sir, chicken. What about the soul place chicken, that just opened up?
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know if. I'm you don't want probably. to plug that? All right, you don't have to. Have you guys been to Papa Attorneys before out on Percy Priest Lake? He probably been, has
1: because he used to live over there. Yeah, I've been out there just to have a fried below sandwich. Shout out, Papa Attorneys. My buddy <laughs> Jeff Wood plays, Jeff Woods, he plays out there a lot. I just saw a thing on the news that they got a, a grant. So they're like supporting small businesses that sort of were struggling because that place. Uh, it's, I mean, it's it relies like, heavily on tourism in the summer it's hidden and out there right. in Nashville Shores and like what are they going to do at downtown so you know support places like that yeah Seoul just opened up off of Charlotte we might be doing some things there in the near future uh black owned yeah and this is a black owned business yeah. off of Charlotte uh past Bridge, but um Soul music in Nashville is it's here, man. I'm, I'm involved with the Soul Vibes Global. We do a featured album every month, and it's just nothing but a conglomerate of almost 100 musicians every month that either do a full album or like a theme. And a lot of women. <laughs> a lot of women. And a Which lot is really, of women. Musicians. Really positive for the culture, I feel like, yeah, music culture. And you know that jams at Bourbon Street. I'm starting to do a couple more jams that are about to pop up. I do a thing on Thursdays called Black Exploitation at Bar Sovereign, which is playing like Jackie Brown, Superfly, Nice, Badass, Dol- Dolomite all that stuff. And I'm spinning.
2: While DJ, so he's, play, he's playing. He's playing that on the
1: screen while he's DJ. Yeah, that's cool. And yeah. that's Every Thursday, uh, we're at Acme, sort of regularly lately, and just trying to you know stay relevant and before we get out of here, because we're probably going to hit the road soon. I feel it coming. And if not, we're doing some scenes. we got some licensing stuff going on. Uh, AJ and the Jiggle Watch has songs on The Imposters, The Detroiters, SEC Network, and what else? What's that HBO? Crash. Yeah, HBO you know, Crash. That's right. So, that, you know, has kept us pumped up you know afloat and for sure we've got a bunch of more songs coming out like, well, other than just releasing the last 45 which was as a Bitch back with Wrong Step on Money Mouse Records like we said we have this next 45 coming out which will hopefully be out on Coldline slash Money Mouse probably this spring if not December and yeah we're gonna try and get it mixed as soon as possible so that's the case and look for some of that to be it's recorded and ready out there because it's out there and ready to go, yeah,
0: baby. So, you both have been in uh been in Nashville for a minute. What was it like when you first
1: moved here compared to now? Woo-hoo. I moved here in 2007, yeah, different. And, like, like I said, like, I was working corporate, i was working uh an hour and 30 minutes away every day, commute, it was horrible. And when I left that job, which was like 2011, after eight years, the next week, I went on the road with Space Capone. I was a fan of Space Capone. If y'all know about this band, it was the funkiest white boy band in town for a good little while. Funkiest disco band around. And I'm saying, the next week, I got asked to go play at the uh, University of Southern Illinois to more people than I could see, you know what I'm saying? And I was hooked, and the growth came right then, like around nine to like two thousand, like thirteen or whatever. If you're talking about population growth, like city growth, or you are talking about musical growth? Both. Like, how have you seen the city change? No, back then there was so much to. Actually, it was more di- diverse back then than it is now. How so? You had. So let's say there's like different cliques, like funky right? there's big time clicks, but now it's like everyone's yeah, the same yeah, kind of 10 of 10. 10 it was called 10 of 10 or whatever but it was like KS Rhodes uh, Mickey Echo uh, Butterfly Boucher like it was the, uh, Jeremy Jeremy yeah. what did they do at uh, 12th and Porter they
2: did like this like it was Ro- Ray and Coach did a thing recognize
1: well that was dance parties that you yeah, had the dance party stuff, Y2K, and Recognize, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you had, it was almost like uh, you know, that teenage dirtbag type shit Like, was, was going on, <laughs> too. You know what I'm saying? It was before Country Bro Country came out. There was bands, there was people doing that stuff that had moved down here on that dream right before oh, that. Oh, that country rap? That, yeah. Yeah. That stuff came out. So it was a mix back in the day. Country grass. Now, yeah. I'm just focused on what I'm doing, because I don't on. even know. Yeah. You know it's, I, don't, I don't know. This is the first podcast we've done. we uh T T-Dirt. Tay Tay. I don't want to get into <laughs> what's going on now with the music industry, because <laughs> since we weird here. It's weird as fuck. Well, we can get into it if you want to.
0: Yeah, we can. I mean, this is this is no holds barred. You can express whatever you yeah. want. I, I I So I've been here since ninety eight.
2: Um, I was in Franklin, obviously outside of Nashville, which is not Nashville. But uh, once I got into high school, I started coming out to Nashville more. So two thousand two ish, when I could drive or had a girlfriend that could drive. And, um, it's crazy, man. It went from 250,000 people to a million people, uh, from 2004 to 2012 or something, 2013. It's crazy, man. 10 years it went from 250,000 people to a million people. And then the music scene, honestly, like, I'm glad that everyone's moved to here and I'm glad that we've got all this different stuff because... It really, does, uh, it really does create more of a, a synergy. And not just a synergy with the musicians, but with the people that are going out to see live music. Because it inspires them to go want to see more. It's like what he said, he got hooked. Guess what? People that go see live music and they go see a good show, it doesn't matter what the genre, they're hooked. They want to go see more live music. They're going to go out and they're going to go see more. And they're going to go support artists like us and like you well,
1: and like I other people also, like there's more opportunity for all of it like we can deny it. there's a point that we were denying it so oh, we can do that for radius calls or whatever reason as a funk band funk soul band whatever uh air quotations uh that means a lot in Nashville you know what I'm saying like no no we can't do that but um, post-pandemic wise and all that kind of stuff. There's no ratings
0: clauses. It's amazing. You just <laughs> it's just like just hey look we just need everybody
1: is looking for entertainment. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I, I mean there's so many people coming here. It's true. You are going to DJ or you going to succumb to it or, or play it or do whatever. We try a little bit of whatever I I sort of want to hold back on that kind of shit. I'm ready to fucking boom and go. But if you're a money grab, it's there, man. You don't, you don't even really see buskers anymore. You know what I'm saying? Put on a fucking shirt and go play inside the stage from 12 to 2. You're good two. Yeah, go do it. You know what I'm saying? You can make a couple of bucks. Yeah. It's, it's something else. The opportunity is endless. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to tap back into that. It's sort of weird. You, you go through like a, a lull for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I think 2015, 2017, we were on the road. We were, we can warrior shit. And then, you know, you go through that lull period, and it's like, oh, what's going on? Da, 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 da. And now we're starting to pick back up. He's had a kid. I thought we were going to stop. I thought it was over. We've been playing more than ever. And In he, the last five years. He's yeah. trying to get out of here. But, it's, you, it's the ebb and the flows and not being a country band or anything like that uh, in this town, in Nashville, Tennessee, and still being able to get a bunch of gigs and still being relevant and being on your podcast. But I mean, to be like, honest, we do have
2: a country-esque song called Southern Sunrise that... It's just, it's just touching. I mean, it's Americana, whatever you want to call it, which Americana to me is country without the twin. Americana is made up bullshit <laughs> I agree I agree but you it's know music. the thing is this is that, that you know that we're still we're still staying relevant to being in Nashville in that aspect you know we wrote that in 2016 <laughs> weird I think
1: and get on that shit That's
2: awesome. yeah and you know it's it's all relevant in a way but like that keeps us relevant to the Nashville culture as well like the traditional Nashville culture yeah so we you know we AJ's always said this too when we've written songs I I use a lot of the same styles and licks and stuff and you know AJ's a lot of the time you know it's like it's gotta sound different each song has to sound different and uh, I'm thankful for that because it has made each of our songs sound we we've, he's basically forced us to sound different in each song and it's, it's created a, uh, a well-rounded,
1: um, I would say, product oh, that we have. I'm not forcing anything. But I, anyways, I live in the fucking present these days. And like like I said, last night, our service this was great. And, you know, I just want to speak What whatever you're... What are we? What we're here for an interview and a podcast about our band, right? You know what I'm saying? Last night was fantastic. Uh, you know, we've created something that's universally fun. You know, there's children dancing to us, and like I said, the kids love the jigs. Our set list last night was great, and we it's pretty much all of our Kids fun. love the jigs, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And yes, I do value everything sounding different and taking you it should be a story bro Uh, uh, an album should be a story you know what I'm saying and the show should be like a movie so uh, Andrew gets on my nerves a little bit with you know not letting me have control of some of that but he's also a go-getter and you know takes care of the business aspects and stuff like that I am the creative person behind all this shit and for him to be able to help me, he's the, he's the producer, you know what I'm saying? He's yeah, the, absolutely. You know, if I'm the director, he's the producer, or vice versa, whatever the fuck. But any horn player in this town loves playing with us because it's a challenge to them. As long as we have the charts, we've had the privilege and the, you know, the opportunity, you name it. From Jeff Coffin to Chris West to Evan Cobb to. You know, who we have now, Troy, I Emmanuel, we'll each of them. All these awesome horn players love playing with us because it's a challenge to them. You and know. on top of that, we don't practice anymore. Well, we just weird. give them the charts, yeah. charts yeah. and we yeah. show it to yeah. the, the game. Rehearsal. And that means professional music. You just show it to well, the game. We give you the charts. That's, that's well, just well. natural shit. That's just yeah. natural shit. Yeah. You could not go do that in Faith, Arkansas. You could do that in Memphis. So are you
0: guys, you're charting out everything in advance and giving it to the players and they're showing up at the gig, is this... And the songs. We give them the songs, Dropbox, and uh, give them the uh,
2: the and files for yes. the charts. And then we just hire people on, we're just like, hey, uh, so here we go, no I, practice.
1: I have the same crew, you know, I know which yeah. crew I want to have the whole time, but it's hard to do that in this town. Yeah.
0: It's ancestral. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's super hard to get people on. There, there's this, I can't remember who said it, it was maybe Dizzy Gillespie or something like that. Someone asked him how do you keep a band together? He said, pay them. Yep. And yep. all these different musicians, you know, if, if you are a, a solid drummer, if you're a solid bass player, those are always the things that are in need in Nashville. Yeah. It seems like those people are they're always on ten different gigs mm-hmm. on any given night.
1: Well, here's, here's yeah, something I mean, that's... I, I disagree with that whole, like, payment thing. Like, I'll blow Ben up. Our drummer does not need a dollar. He loves playing with the bass player that we have. He and does. Like, and, and with our keyboards. Like, he enjoys the rest of the that I gets to play with. It ain't about the damn money. No, I mean, it's not about the money, he but... He plays with us the most, you know, out. You know what I'm saying? So...
2: Well, that's, that. that's his opinion. My opinion is this. Is that you can have a good band with an okay drummer and bass player, but your band can never be great. The only way you can have a great band is to have an excellent or great drummer and bass player. doesn't matter the genre. You
1: just said the opposite. No, you not what the fuck you just said?
0: Well, you look at all the great bands throughout history, whether it's the Zeppelin, Duke, Zeppelin, Zeppelin, the Beatles. Yeah. They had a strong rhythm section. Yeah. It's it's a requirement.
1: It's a requirement right. for a good band or for a, a great band. If, I mean. If I can, I'd rather have Nick the Man play everything session-wise and everything recording-wise and live. I'd love to have Benjamin Sticks. It's... It, there's no counter between the two. Just somebody's great in the session and then in the studio, and somebody's great live.
2: Yeah, I want to have a, I want to have i uh, I'll have a, a combo number three with uh, uh, Dave Guy and uh, 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 Tim Hawkins and uh, Ben Sticks and a Nick Devan at the same time, please. don't
1: times to this uh, thing, and I don't mean to hurt your feelings if you are like listening to it, Tim. It's just the facts. But anyways. <laughs> well, gentlemen, any final word? Anything else? Any shows coming up that you want to plug? This will be going up at the end of September. Uh, September third, we are in Louisville, Kentucky, at All White affair with Bashiria Assad. At twenty-first on Broadway, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, I think that's it. We possibly might be playing September Soul. Fifteenth basement, actually. Is said the 15th? September 15th. And yeah, no, this Sunday we are playing at this place called Soul. It's a, it's a new restaurant off of Charlotte. Uh, I really don't have too many details. This guy just, just opened this place up, but the band is going to be awesome. And we're going to play from like 1 until 3, hopefully. Uh, That's P.M., not A.M. Yeah, it's like they're trying to do a, their first Soul brunch. So, Soul... This Sunday, 1 to 3, off of Charlotte, across from the uh, Sonic, and that has that nice car wash. Oh, hell yeah. And my final word is
2: thank you for having us. Of course. I really thank appreciate um, just getting to meet you and be in your house. and Of course. And just hang with you tonight for an hour or so. And yeah.
1: Then, uh, another thing and is... tonight I'm singing some Grateful Dead at D's. Okay. I'm heading there right now, so... Hey, nice listening? hey and the D's and you know what
2: I love AJ I love uh, I love what we've done so far and I can't wait for the future
1: I think he drinks some of his Winnie the Winnie the Pooh honey I didn't drink any Winnie the Pooh honey where can people find your band at how can they find that Spotify it, it, it's really sort of particular A dot, J dot both capital and the Jingle spelled out uh, it's And it's everywhere. We're on all of it. Okay. From Tidal to Spotify to Apple Music. Uh, AJ Eason is my tag. AJ and the Jigawatts on Instagram. J I G G A W T W A T T S. Sounds like a cheerleader. J-I-G-G-A-W-A-T-T-S.
0: Like <laughs> yeah. Go team.
1: And... You can buy the record on coalminerecords.com or through the Money Mouse thing. I think you can probably reach it, but I think so. But Coal Mine is the best. Coal mine records. Coalmine is the know, best. Yeah. Hey man, we're Shout out to Terry Cole. Terry Cole. And Bob Cole. They've got Black Pumas, Duran Jones, Oregon, Monophonics. Kelly, Finnegan, Monophonics. Yeah and we are happy to be on super thankful for Terry
2: Cole and the coal mine crew thank you shout out to y'all cool and Andrew where can people find you at um you can find me on Instagram at Muller Guitar and then and at German Camp German Camp uh at Money Mouse Records and uh my band as well as uh at The Grip Sweats and at AJ the Gigawatts.
0: Yeah, awesome, dude! Insane. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much, man. I know, Taylor. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>